I'm Kimberly C. Palm. As I travel throughout each state, I realize that death is just a moment. It is how we live until that moment that matters. Finding connection with friends, family, and complete strangers. Journey with me. This is the Live Well, Die Well Tour. So, hello, my friend. Hello, hello. So, we're today we're talking to. I, I'm going to call you a good friend. I met you on my Live Well Die Well tour in the middle of nowhere, Indiana, but where I've now <laughs> come to know as like the place I want to be, Evansville. Um, and I went. What is I was I brought to there on a conference or something, right? Well, before yeah, before this is first... Andrea, yeah, and this is. <laughs> And you've now you've gone on to, to to some really amazing things as well. So talk to me. How did we meet? Oh, well, you came to be a part of our first annual advanced care planning conference at University of Southern Indiana with Dr. Kevin Valadares, who I had worked closely with. Yeah, it's all coming back. <laughs> yeah. And I the moment I saw you, I was like, oh, my gosh, I have such a crush on this woman. <laughs> you were so inspiring. I have a picture of us that Kimberly like is like, oh my gosh, it'll go to the grave with me. It'll be cremated with me and all. <laughs> oh my victory, God. Whatever you're... I end up deciding to do. But I, I do want to share, um, not just to toot your horn even more, but I do want to share before we continue is that because of you, I'm doing what I'm doing. Like you inspired, like you gave me the like, dude, this woman just up and left, got an RV. She did the thing. Like she didn't put a lot of forethought in trying to plan it all, make it all work. And that's, that's what I've been able to do in the last year of starting my own business and the nonprofit that I'm doing now. It, truly, I don't know if I would have, if I hadn't met you. Oh, well, that, well, you know, as you know, now on the other side of taking that leap, there's a lot of, uh, there's just a lot of sacrifices that you have to do. And, you mm -hmm. know, and now on the other side of the tour, even though this tour got stopped on state 46 on a 49, um, you know, there's just some things that you just can't control. Thanks COVID. Um, yeah. but, but, you know, so many people were affected by this whole pandemic and still being affected by it. Mm -hmm. And I think that, that it's really cool that you took the leap back then because you're such a resource right now with, so many people facing the unknown. Um, mm -hmm. But I'm, I think the seed was inside you. I might've just showed you what um, I was doing, but I, I, I might've pushed without, you, but <laughs> <laughs> it's all you. With, I was going to say without sounding, you know, egotistical, I've, I've known the seed was inside of me and I was in a place where I was just letting people, make decisions for me, which is very unlike me. And now I'm like, Oh, let go. Like busted free. I was like, ever going back to that. And so, um, I'll never not work for myself. And, yeah. It's nice. But also, yeah. you know, it comes with a whole another set of, of mm -hmm. just unknowns. <laughs> but when we met, you were working with a hospice organization, right? I was with a palliative care organization. Yep. Right. And, and I had, and I had worked in hospice prior to that. 
Right. And so here you are at this advanced care planning network uh, conference, which was actually fabulous, by the way. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I had just interviewed Patch Adams before I got there. So it was like this whole like just I was in a fog a little bit, too. But what was amazing is that that you have a university that really is behind this whole advanced care planning. Mm -hmm. But what I'm interested, Andrea, is is how. How did you fall in love with advanced care planning and and how did you fall in love with end of life? And, you know, it's not mm-hmm. a subject that a lot of people are interested in um, or fall into or fall in love with, but I love it. Mm-hmm. So how did you fall into this? Oh, I'll try to keep it short, being mindful of time. Um, I mean, it kind of goes back to even as a kid, I loved playing in a cemetery that butted up to the woods behind my parents' house. And so I was always intrigued of like thinking about what people's stories would be like, like they're all dead. And I felt safe there. I would see, you know, the old tombstones, you know, that you knew that they were babies. And also my father was a big, you know, part because he, he was always emphasizing respecting your elders. He got along with all the old ladies, you know, it was always kind of a running (laughs) joke. All the old ladies had a crush on my dad just because he would, give them time and talk to them with respect. And so I saw that modeled, but then what really did it was my bachelor of social work internship in Bloomington, Indiana, where I went to IU. It was an internship with their hospice and they called it their journeys program, but that was kind of before the word palliative care was really used. That was what circa 2006, eight. And I fell in love. Like Mm. I was like, Oh, this is my jam. Like, I thought I wanted to be a high school art teacher and coach (laughs) volleyball. And I'm like, and and do graphic design work on the side. And, you know, maybe some like, I don't know, camps in the summer. But then um, I I fell in love with it. Just sitting at the bedside, hearing their stories. Mm. Um, You you know, it's all about the stories. And so- it is. You know, I didn't realize you were, you had that creative side of you as well, because maybe that's what draws us together, because mm-hmm. I I feel like end of life can be this dark subject and I just want to throw like paint on it, like colored oh paint, you know, and yes. it's so it's so beautiful to me and it's so colorful. And I don't mm-hmm. I don't believe that people see it that way. And yeah. if anything, talking about death, it's really made me live more boldly you know, with everything I do. Absolutely. And you know, as someone that when you engage in conversations about death and dying, you're actually talking about living and, and the, the, the colorful things and how to make it more colorful or maybe, maybe mute colors. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? but just to really embrace the human experience, I think through, through life's journey. But, um, and so, also I was raised, I was also raised Catholic. So I saw crucifix <laughs> and hearing death and dying all the time too, maybe was part of it. I don't, I don't Southern know. Baptist here, babe. Southern oh, Baptist. Yeah. I mean, so yeah. you, you fell in love with palliative care and, and you, what, what really made you go and take the leap in addressing a gap within your own community? Because you began you know, to be this advocate and started what matters most Evansville. And how did you go from working for an organization then thinking about creating something? How did you make that leap? Well, I had, it goes back to actually USI and 
um, at a conference that we recruited you at to be a keynote speaker this year, our Mid-America Institute on Aging. Um, uh, several years ago in 2018, I was just like a small little breakout room talking about advanced care, advanced care planning and palliative care. And afterwards, this gentleman who's now the co-founder of this organization with me, he said, hey, um, my name's Jim. I'm new to the area. Um, I'm a death doula, and I'd love to connect to talk more about death and dying. And for those that have ever seen the comedy movie, you know, Will Ferrell's Step Brothers, it was that instant, like, did we just become best friends? And so he and I, we kept talking. At the time, I didn't think that I would start an organization. But I also have this like yearning inside me that there's got to be something done because we're having the same conversations with patients and staff and doctors over and over and over and watching that unnecessary suffering. And, and I was already doing some community education about advanced care planning at that time. But Jim and I, we kept talking for a year and a half, um, you know, coffee, picking And you were tables. still working full time. Yes, I'm still working full time. And then I was leaving long voicemails. And, you know, my my husband didn't care that I was meeting with this stranger that he had never met. He was like, good, talk to somebody else about death and dying and your big ideas of what you want to do. And so we planned uh, spring 2020. We were going to have a big public picnic and like invite people that we knew that were interested in the end of life field and have these conversations because it kept going back to grief. And if we can have these conversations and talk about death and dying, we could reduce and prevent so much unnecessary suffering and grief and stress and turmoil and families ripping apart and doctors just feeling helpless and overwhelmed. If we actually talked about, you know, the only thing we're guaranteed, which is uh, death. I mean, it is literally the only thing we are guaranteed. And even if you believe death in whatever different forms, we all experience it. Mm. And so, yeah, COVID came and we were like, well, shit. Uh, <laughs> so we non-tech savvy, we went virtual. We um, at that time were had been asked, we connect with our local PBS station and we were going to be one of the first community podcasts to talk about stuff. And we were so stoked, started doing recordings and then just kept getting deferred, deferred with COVID. And then I experienced several losses and I was like, we got to do something like that was, it was partially like my own escape. My father died in April and was it related started... to COVID? No, no. He, he had esophageal cancer. Oh, wow. Um, okay. It was, that was a, a challenging battle. Um, and I don't even know if the word battle, because when it happened, when he started rapidly declining, it, it was rapid, but I even working in that field, I, I could see it, mm. but not even able to have those conversations with my own family. And that was like a wake up call to me of like, I can't even do this with my family. I mean, I'm trying. They just, they didn't want it. They weren't ready. They, they were in denial. Um, like, how, how did this happen? How, why is it going down so fast? And I'm like, oh, you remember Christmas time when you got pissed off at me for saying, if we want to do a family vacation, we should do it by February. And I was a terrible person because I knew he wasn't going to be there in July when they went out to plan it. Mm. But I'm also going a little, you know, a little off topic here. But that was but also you bring that a good extra. Point, um, because, you know, even even, you know, being in this field 22 years and mm-hmm. my family still sees me in pigtails and braces. And <laughs> and I, I think that's a comfortable way everyone's comfortable with that and mm-hmm. and 
that's the thing is you still feel there's, I think there's more boundaries in, in my personal family than they are with complete strangers because I can oh. get away with honesty totally. versus totally. knowing the family and my family wants to hear about it. Um, oh, yeah. So I get you. I get you on that. Yeah. Totally. And, and, and still unpacking grief from that time. That's actually not related at all to the actual death of my father, but just everything connected to it. And so that also feeds what, what matters most Evansville is because it's all about conversations and sharing stories because we can all relate to something. Um, and so, so why did oh, yeah, you name go- it? Like what matters most Evansville? A, you live well, in Evansville, Indiana. Yeah. If you haven't been there, you've got to check it out. <laughs> what is the little town it's, that I stayed in that was close to Evansville? What was, New Harmony. Oh my gosh. What a great, I still want to come back and and write. You will. I you love will. that place. And remember, my place has an RV hookup. So if you ever, you know, RV just is gone. Want to rent one again? I know. R- but if you ever want to, if you ever want to get one again, never again, never <laughs> again. I'm going to fly and rent a car. Are you kidding? <laughs> well, good. I live near the airport, so see, it's perfect. Perfect. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to think. Where were we even at? We were. Now? I was asking. I know we can get so off topic, which I which I love. But yeah, never again on the RV. But I was asking, where, why did you name your oh, organization? Yeah, what matters most, Evansville. So talk to me about that. Yeah. Well, for a year and a half, when Jim and I would keep talking, you know, we didn't know what it was. We we're like, let's have a death conference. Why? How? How can we help more healthcare providers have these conversations? Like. What are they so scared of? What can we do? And we just, it kept coming back to the things that mattered most because it wasn't about what the medical decisions were and did they want a DNR? It was really what was important to that individual. Was it that they wanted their coffee, that it was important to be outside? What mattered most? Was it that they were willing to tolerate some form of treatment while waiting a certain loved one or a friend they hadn't seen in 30 years to see them one more time? You know, so it kept coming back to what mattered most. And when we can talk about those things that matter most, that, I mean, it's empowering. And we know that those things sometimes change and evolve, which is why we have to keep the conversations going. But when we can say, hey, this is really important to me, then it allows us to say, okay, what can we do to protect that, to honor that, to continue that? Um, And I believe like what matters most is individualized. You know, because what matters Absolutely. most to me might not matter most to you. And it, mm-hmm. it it sort of makes the individual think about what is important. And and I have to concede, I think what matters most to me today, being a healthy, you know, 50-year-old versus, you know, someone who has has a timeline and facing end of life – you know, my I, I have to concede that what matters most will change. And you yes. can't, and as much as we try to live as we're dying, it still is not a reality. Um, mm-hmm. So I do expect what matters most will change even for me. So I like that. Yes. And I think that's the important thing is to continue the conversations, you know, reevaluate, you know, with, with palliative care patients, you know, we, you can't see my hand, you know, people listening, but what's a good day, how you decide what a good day is and what's important as your disease changes, as your energy changes, as relationships change, as your disease changes, as your interests, as your taste, as your body, your, 
you name it, as that changes and evolves, what's important evolves. And so, but we have to continue the conversation or we won't know. We won't know how to support someone. And yeah. Why are communities and individuals, why are we still having trouble with this? You know, and, <sighs> and what's amazing to me is you're not hooked with a hospice or a palliative care. You're sort of separate mm-hmm. because really advanced care planning and what matters most, it, it hospice can be a part of that program, but it's right. not motivated by that program. Mm-hmm. And so I like that you're separate. And what I think why I really wanted to talk to you on my podcast was because I'm hoping other individuals out there will look at their own community and be like, how can I get what matters most Chicago? How can I get what matters most, you know, Littleton, Colorado? I mean, how can mm-hmm. we inspire people to to own their community? Um, but yeah, I. why are we still here? Why are we still struggling? Uh, oh, I mean, a lot of things initially come to mind. I think one is the word community in of itself. We, we don't live in community. We live in our own houses and we keep things separate. And, you know, I'm someone that I'm, I get re-energized just by connecting with nature. And I, I've always thought back and maybe that was, you know, time in the cemeteries, thinking back of when people, you know, they all shared a plot of land. They all had to work together. They experienced grief and loss together directly. And they cared for their neighbor's dying loved one because someone was working in the field. Um, someone was collecting berries. I mean, if you, you know, I think about like and hey, families used hey, to live folks. really close together too. Yes, and we're not. And, and as virtual um, as we have become, w- there's still this huge, huge gap when it comes to connecting with our family mm-hmm. and strangers and our neighbors. And mm-hmm. you know, it's even living in Denver. Um, in a, an apartment complex, you know, near downtown. And I, I feel more community than I've ever have felt in a long time, you know, because it's mm-hmm. accessible. You know, my neighbor the other day was like, hey, I've got a table. Can you come down and help me? I'm like, I'm right there. I don't have to drive across town. Mm-hmm. And there is something about that that, mm-hmm. I, that I'm, I'm finding very interesting. Yes. Yeah. Something that I that I have experienced, and maybe it's just my lens, my personal experience, but, you know, especially when going to, you know, different conferences or things, when connecting with strangers, whether they're patients, medical providers, family members, friends, you name it. But when the conversation of death and grief comes up and you're able to actually sit in the presence and talk with someone, you talk about connection. Mm. I mean, you can connect so deep and it, it alters that. It also reflects upon who you are. It changes. Okay. Oh yeah. I am going to die. Like what's important right now. This person is sharing ideas. How can I learn? What's something I can, I can grow from. And when we think about what matters most, part of that is we, we also want to really like ourselves. Right. And, you know, I do the deathbed exercise a lot, even with, with clients now when they're not facing serious illnesses and, you know, from this moment in time, because we can't go back, but from this moment in time to when we are on our deathbed, and let's say that we have the mental capacity to know that we are dying, but to look back from this moment as we are talking, moving forward, what do we hope that when we're on our deathbed that, that we're able to reflect back and, and feel a sense of pride 
and whether it be a, a form of accomplishment, not necessarily like a, a bragging thing, but what, what would feel really good to know that mattered most that they focused on? And maybe that's something small, like I put my shoes up consistently. So my, so my, you know, my girlfriend didn't get mad at me. Is it, I overcame my anger. I learned how to take a deep breath. I allowed myself to be vulnerable. I allowed myself to connect. I forgave somebody. Mm. You know, what are those things that we can put our energy towards that that is really important? Because any of those things, if not done when we're on our death, but that provokes its own form of grief. And that's what I started seeing so much. It's just, if we could have this conversation sooner, there wouldn't be so much suffering at an already difficult time. When in our society, kind of going back, of why is our community, what, what is it that we're scared and it's a taboo subject? We don't want to discuss it. And then it makes it more complicated. And people yeah. are dealing with this grief and feeling more alone. It's like, dude, we don't even have to, we don't even have to ha- be having these conversations. And we could just be present because we weren't scared to talk about death and grief and losses and the unknowns. Um, yeah, when I, I have don't want difficult... to get too much on a preacher's well, no, box. No, 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 <laughs> but, but when I have difficult, like, for instance, like, I'm such an introvert and I love, I'm a homebody and I love to read, but I, when you get me out, I can be such a good extrovert, but mm-hmm. you have to get me there, you know? And, and so what, what I think about is, will I regret not going if I die tonight? Yes. And 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 so I feel like I think about my own mortality every day because I think it inspires me to take advantage of the now, which yes. I have always been a seeker of mm-hmm. what is the most important moment, this moment, mm-hmm. because this moment is all mm-hmm. I've got. Um, mm-hmm. And it goes back to what I that big lesson that I've learned. You know, a lot of people think that you have to take years uh, to make a relationship and have an in-depth conversation. And I have Mm -hmm. high school friends that, that I recently saw back in Richmond, Virginia. And, you know, it's like, we've just, we just were away from each other for like a split second. You just pick up right where, and that's really an in-depth relationship. But what the dying Mm -hmm. have taught me is that, that time doesn't really factor into that. You know, it it doesn't matter because it's like, are you being your authentic self? And is that other person being all their authentic self? And that creates, even if you're, it's with a complete stranger, stranger, I mean, that creates an in-depth moment of connection. And, and so I don't think I, they've taught me how to measure time a lot differently. And, you know, it's Mm -hmm. not the length it's, it's whether it's in depth um, yeah. And I don't think time matters in in that. Um, so I I love I love that you are inspiring your own community. I mean, and you even have you've created a podcast, which by the way I love, and I love that you're a woman, and I love that you are talking about this subject. I think the more podcasts we have out there about death and dying, about living mm-hmm. boldly, about how more your own mortality can inspire you to do really crazy things, I think the better. And so talk to me (laughs) why a podcast, um, but also, I mean, talk to me about the title and how people can find this podcast and what, what kind of, what are the subjects that you're talking about? Yeah. Well, I guess I'll first say is that I think 
the topic of grief and death can be such a portal to connections and healing and growth. And so for those unfamiliar with Evansville, we're on a river bend and, you know, we don't get fog like San Francisco, but I decided, you know, we wanted to have a podcast. We wanted to get the information out there, but not it feel forceful because so often in hospice, you know, people, they don't want to be talking about these things. And it's like, how do we, although let's be real, Kimberly, you and I, we're good. We, we can, we can make difficult things, not scary. Right. <laughs> and so, but with the podcast, people are choosing on their own mm. to listen in. They can pause when they want. And so we called it rivers fog and rivers possessive. It's river apostrophe S like the fog of the river. Mm. And we're, we're really trying to, you know, clear and navigate the hazy fog of grief because people oftentimes they don't know what it is, or sometimes they don't even realize, oh, that's grief. Right. What is this? How do I navigate this? I don't know what's on the other side. And that again, goes back to grief can be such a portal that it's part of that process and the acceptance that you're right. We don't know what's on the other side, but what we do know for certain is it will never be the same of what was, what was, mm. you know, there's been some form of loss and whether that be a person, whether that be a job, your health, a relationship, um, you know, your favorite car, whatever life will never be the same. And so this podcast, you know, Kimberly is a guest. So you guys will have to check it out. We're on all major <laughs> platforms, Rivers Fog. And, and so it was we a great invite get great. Yeah, tool. We, so we've invited guests that are, you know, some nationally recognized speakers and authors, such as yourself, Thank um, you. artists, and I'll, I'll kind of, you know, depending on time, I might speak on that, but also just guests that might be your neighbors. Mm. We all carry grief. And I think, as you mentioned, you know, the dying have taught you so much about like, what is time? And we're all carrying some form of grief around. It doesn't mean it's bad and that we're sad, but there's something there and that we can really all, yeah, we can all connect. And so a podcast I think is a great way, especially, you know, driving. If, if we're working virtual, there's less drive time. What a great opportunity to like, just sit and be and listen to something. Well, you know, it's, it, I, that's when I, back in the day when I was thinking of a podcast, um, gosh, over five years ago now, I, I just thought it was a way for, like you said, for people to to measure their own information intake. Um, mm-hmm. And I want, and it was really important to me, like it sounds to you, that I have everyday people on here. Um, yes. And, and I go back to this, you know, what what did I want to accomplish? And I think... I wanted to have so many conversations that it p- became comfortable. And mm-hmm. I, I was just telling someone the other day, and they asked me, what, what is the role? What do you think your goal, your role is and your goal? And I said, well, I think I, I steal fear because people fear things of the unknown. Mm-hmm. And what I have found being close to dying individuals is there is no fear. It's just the fear of the unknown. So what, mm-hmm. what are your goals? What, are, what did you, what, what do you want to accomplish through what matters most, Evanville and Rivers Fog? I mean, is it similar or do you have more specific goals because you're targeted on your own community? 
it continues evolving. And if you give me too much time, it'll, it'll evolve in a new way in 10 seconds, which is, <laughs> that's why I love you. Y- y- you know, it's, it's very bittersweet the way my brain works. <laughs> There's some really great pros and cons to that. Um, but I think to really mirror what you said is trying to reduce that fear and not make it be such a taboo subject that death and dying was something that was seen as an honor and a way to be intimate with someone and to bring back that. I mean, not only just preparing for the baby boomers, if we want to talk logistics of what is going to happen to our country, if we do not get our act together and get comfortable practicing these conversations. And you, you said it, like you got to practice the more you talk about it, the more comfortable it is. And then part of me, you know, I'm such a visual person. Um, we, we talk about what matters most being a ripple in the water, you know, kind of going back to we're here on a river bend and just the tiny little conversations, the aha moments, the connections, if we can just keep putting, you know, as if I'm up in an airplane, looking over a huge body of water, all these little ripples. And then at some point in time, I don't know when probably generations down the road, if, you know, humans are still functioning on this earth, we're not all artificially intelligently designed and we can actually have human experiences, but that's a whole other conversation but at some point in time these ripples are when they meet up they make a larger ripple Mm. and hopefully that ripple we can feel it through all of us and that connection that there's some sense of safety and acceptance of this death and this dying the thing that again we're all connected by and if we could use that as a tool to actually bring peace i mean that's like my utopia yeah like (laughs) <laughs> yeah, like you said, because we're going to deal with things. We will mm-hmm. deal with them. The choice is, do we lean in and feel it or do we numb out? And yeah. and, and you, I, I, <laughs> even in my own world, um, you know, it is a, it's still a choice to numb out mm-hmm. or lean in. And, yeah, and it's sometimes we great. need to numb out, but, you know, sometimes <laughs> it got a moderation. But I guess... I guess to answer your question, I'm giving long-winded answers because I'm just so excited to talk to you <laughs> today again. And but kind of the goals with what matters most, you know, it's really mainly conversations and connecting, giving people the opportunity to share their story because there's healing and sharing stories. And actually, one of our projects. So anybody listening, no matter where you're from, um, we have a share your story anonymously project because. Mm-hmm. Stories, you know, people heal more wholly when their story is shared in some context, you know, including anonymously. So people can write in and we're, I'm sitting on several letters and just whenever I thought like, oh, maybe, maybe my organization, maybe we're not really making a difference or doing anything. I went, you know, to the good old PO box and I had seven letters. It's amazing. I didn't check the mail in a few weeks. And so, but every single letter, somebody, they include how helpful it was that they feel relief. They feel more hopeful that they're hopeful. Somebody listens in. And so that is a ripple in the water when people can share their story, connect with others or feel validated of I'm not alone. Or maybe this doesn't have to be so scary that, wow, grief sucks. And I can just say that like half the, half the time working in palliative care, I felt like I'm just getting paid to say, man, this sucks. I so <laughs> I so understand. I was with a, a family last Saturday in Denver, and and the husband got choked up, and I and I just put my hand on his shoulder. I'm like, I'm sorry, this sucks. This really sucks. And and I if that's the thing is is you can't control when, you can control how mm-hmm. and where. 
and mm-hmm. and we've got to focus on what we can control and make mm-hmm. the most of it. Um, so here's here's something for you because this is what I'm interested in. You know, we in this practice in this field, we tend to not do our own homework. <laughs> And that's why I like I, I ask people, you know, I know you have your advanced directives done, um, but also how do you want to live and die? How do you want to live? And and how will that affect your death? And I'm interested. Mm-hmm. Have you thought about that? Because we we try to oh, inspire yeah. others to think about it mm-hmm. and and we rarely get that question. So I thought I would ask you. Yeah. Thanks for asking. It kind of evolves and changes too. And self-care is a huge part of it. How I hope to live is to really continue paying attention when I'm feeling either pulled to the, the fears and the uncertainties, or if I'm dwelling or, you know, consumed by things in the past. And my goal of how to live is to really keep being present in that moment. I mean, seriously, aligning with so much of what you're saying, because again, that has been the best lesson from the dying is all you have is this very moment. And, you know, working with clients, you know, as a therapist, you know, well, all plumbers have leaky sinks. So I'm a therapist. Doesn't mean I got all my, you know, mental faculties all (laughs) aligned and balanced, but it's really, but it's, it's a good reminder for me to constantly, you know, check in, do a body scan. Where do I feel tension? Where do I feel uneasy? Am I feeling overwhelmed? Am I feeling pulled? Am I doing this because I just want to please somebody um, wanting approval. Am I doing this for me? And it's really given me the freedom to be true to myself. And if I'm not balanced, if I'm not healthy, if I'm not forgiving myself and bringing in some self-compassion and mindfulness, I can't be the best mom. I can't be the best sister, the best daughter. And all of those are challenges in of themselves because relationships are hard. Yes. But, but that relationship with myself has has grown a whole new priority these last couple of years. Um, still needs a lot of work, but I know that if I, I really focus on that myself, the rest will come. You know, um, I think that's why we connect, because I think we can be broken and it can be beautiful. And mm-hmm. when we start accepting that we're beautifully broken souls in a human experience, that's when magic yes. happens. And I love oh, it. Absolutely. It's it's those places that you can feel peace and joy in the midst of grief and sorrow. And that that, that is, I mean, you can have like out-of-body experiences almost. Like it's just, ah, oh, okay. I get it. Like, whoo, this is like the whew, this is like the inertia of the yin yang <laughs> moment of like what it, it's that, you know, that what some call it enlightenment, some call it utopia, some call it high on life, you know, whatever that is, it's something that it's bigger than ourselves. Mm. But then we know that that bigger than, than ourselves, like part of that's in me. And part of that's just my philosophy and my connection and my innate design. And the more I lean into that and what fuels it, the better. Yeah, um, absolutely. I will I say lots I will, of practice going, but <laughs> of course, of course. I mean, I mean, there's things that have happened over the last two weeks in my life that I thought I would scream and like melt down and cry in a corner. But yet I was as calm as a cucumber, you know, just so calm. Mm-hmm. And and I knew mm-hmm. that in the smallness of 
of my life that this big thing will not be that big thing. Um, but what I put my energy yeah. in is, mm-hmm. is really important because I can feed it or I can look the other way and, mm-hmm. and know that everything has a process. Um, yeah. And, and I think I can apply that to my own life. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. always evolving and yes. it it's, it's my desire to be that seeker and always evolve. Um, mm-hmm. And I just watched something recently um, and I, I can't remember his name, but there was this really motivational um, individual who just received an award, the, the Jimmy V um, determination award and he has down syndrome and he did an Ironman and he, yes. Yeah. You know, and he, he talks about 1% better every day and I'm like, it's that's so manageable and I'll have to find that link and, and link it to, to this because I think that's what we're talking about. I'm not asking people to run a marathon tomorrow. I'm asking mm-hmm. people to take one step toward self-love. Yes. Yes. And then, absolutely. and then maybe something, you know, will, will keep happening. But uh, I tell you, I, I just love you. And mm. I love that you made time for me and my, beautifully broken soul listeners out there and keep doing what you're doing kid and if there's ever anything that I can do to support you you know I will and you know uh, New Harmony I think it's going to call my name I think I need like a self-retreat once I figure out where all the uh, pieces fall in the next few months but man keep doing it Um, and thank you for letting me be a part of it Ah, thank you well Maybe stars will align because I'm in the, the works of, of talking with some folks in the area of, you know, there's grief retreats where we're bringing in, you know, maybe some other holistic approaches of community where people can go and have resource libraries and talk about grief, safe spaces. And, you know, maybe there's some professionals on site. Maybe there's a Reiki worker. Maybe there's a therapist. Absolutely. Let's do yoga in the yard. So well, are, be you, are you back. saying that it's time to pull grief out of the closet? Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, gosh. Because, I mean, if we just shove it down, we avoid it. Then when we're on our deathbed and our body's trying to process all the shenanigans that have been in there all <laughs> that so time. True it comes out in, in just unnecessary painful ways. And so let's, let's embrace it. Let's talk about it. And just thank you. I'm, I'm honored to be on here. It's yeah, always well, a pleasure. Bef- tell me where can people find you? Yeah. Um, well, right now we don't have a, we don't have a website yet, but you can find us on Facebook at W M M E V V for what matters most Evansville and our podcast rivers fog. You can find really on any and every platform. All right, people, you heard it straight from her mouth. It's time to tackle grief and get it out in the closet. Andrea, it's always, always nice to see you. It's always nice to reconnect. And uh, I can't wait until we see each other face to face. And whatever we can do, let's make it happen, my friend. Um, But you keep uh, doing amazing things in Evansville. And until we meet again. Yeah, we'll keep rippling. Thanks for joining us today. And remember, you're the designer. This podcast is produced by Jason Andre with Seven Season Films. If you're interested in telling your story via podcast, look him up. You can find him at sevenseasonfilms.com.